Well, it is great to see you today. Uh, we're going to bring a message that, that really we'd like to just sit down and have coffee with everybody and uh, share this message, but we've got to do it corporately and uh, we believe it's going to bless you. But I did want to mention every year one of our big events around Christmas time is we do the women's Christmas tea. And uh, the tickets are for sale in the concourse for the, the Christmas tea. And then every two years, uh, Jeannie and I lead a group of you to Israel. And it seems like it's on everybody's bucket list to go. So uh, we're going to be going February the 25th through March 6th of next year. And it is just absolutely fabulous. All the stuff that you want to see, the places you want to go, swimming in the Dead Sea and go to the Mount of Olives, the Garden Tomb, uh, the City of David, the Temple Mount, the Rabbi Tunnel, all the stuff you've heard about that you want to do. It's all included in the trip and uh, wanted to make, well, just let you know, if you're thinking about going, there is a table in the back in the concourse. You can stop there, get some more information. Um, there is limited um, availability. I think that we're just over 80% full and uh, there's about four weeks or so to still sign up. So it will probably completely fill up. So if you're thinking about it, go back there, talk to them. Say, I heard a story about a husband and a wife who were feuding with each other and giving each other the silent treatment. That night, he realized he needed her to wake him up in the morning. He had to catch a flight for business, going to be leaving town. So he wrote his wife a note and left it next to her bed, which says, please wake me up in the morning at 5 a.m. Well, he overslept by two hours. He missed his flight. He gets up. He's mad. He jumps out of bed and he's about to go over and give her a piece of his mind when he sees a piece of paper on his nightstand. The note read, it's 5 a.m. Wake up. <laughs> uh, all right. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse 28. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. Linda Waite uh, wrote a, a fascinating book called The Case for Marriage. And they, didn't, they interviewed 5,232 couples. And of those who said they were unhappily married, they went back five years later. And those that stayed together and worked on their marriage, 80% of them said that they were now very happy in their marriage. So, so the, the conclusion is like this. Don't take a photograph of your problems today and tell yourself nothing is ever going to change. And that's especially true when it comes to marriage. If we just think, you know, we're just going to marry the right person, our soulmate, and then we're going to have no trouble. But the Bible promises you many troubles. Literally, it just says you will have many troubles. And the reason is we're different. But remember that God forges marriages. It is God's idea. Literally, from Genesis 2, before, before literally there was, there was a marriage, God spoke about it. And Jesus said this in Matthew 9. He said, haven't you read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. 
So then they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Uh, There's exceptions in the Bible talks about it. For most of us, uh, it's God's will at some point for you to marry. And one of the mistakes that we make is we just think that a marriage will survive on its own without any help. Now, we lived in Mexico for several years, and particularly back when we were living in Mexico, there were an awful lot of bank robberies. So anytime you would go to the bank, there would be men standing outside with machine guns. And then you get inside and there would be more guards with machine guns. And they were guarding the bank's money. Well, the truth is we need to guard our marriages even more than our, than our money. Uh, there can be intruders into a marriage. Uh, a marriage is really a club of two. How many when you get married, you say forsaking all forsaking all lovers. And and that means people, but it means more than just people. It's anything that could interfere, any intruder. It can be work. It can be kids or hobbies or TV or the internet or in-laws or money problems. It can be an affair, an addiction. It can be sports. It can be about anything. But what we have to have is we need to guard our marriage against anything that's going to come into that marriage that would take your heart and become literally, how can we say this, take the place that your spouse should have, the number one place under God in your life should be your spouse. And when you're going to others instead of your spouse for fulfillment or to give your heart, that thing becomes an intruder. I like um, Colossians 3, huge awesome chapter. We should just all memorize it. But um, some of the, a lot of the intrusion, it starts in your heart. When he says to guard your marriage, um, it starts with guarding your heart. And um, Colossians 3 has this awesome advice of things that you are to put off, put out of your heart. Now, if you're not married, this is essential for any relationship you have, to have any, any type of good relationship. It tells you to, what to put off. Put, put off all anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Put off that old man with his deeds. Put on the new man who's renewed in knowledge uh, according to the image of him who created him. And he goes on in verse 12, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on. I mean, don't put off stuff and then run around naked. You're supposed to put something on. And then this tells you what to put on. And our hearts not only need to be guarded uh, and, and keep out the things that shouldn't be in there, in our heart and in our relationships, but also we need to put on the right thing. And to be able to get along with others, and which is marriage, you're, you're, you're committing to get along with this other person for the rest of your life. This is what we need to put on every day on purpose. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which also you 
We're called in one body. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And it's just an awesome, and to summarize it, it's like to get along with other people, you need the grace of God, you need the peace of God, and you need the word of Christ uh, continually, I mean, you know, put it before your eyes. And if you put that before your eyes, there'll be the times when you, you'll, you'll come up in it and you'll start to say or do something. You'll think, no, whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of Jesus Christ giving thanks. You know, I can't clobber him giving thanks to the Lord. <laughs> so I think I should um, rethink this and, and ask for God's wisdom and how to react. And the Word of God, the grace of God, the peace of God, it'll change our relationships. Now, we're, we're talking about intruders. So God in the beginning, literally, but before there were such a thing, God's talking about marriage, and he says that the two should become one. And he says, first, he, 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 let us say, shall leave your father and your mother. Now, in that case, what God is saying, he's saying, if your parents have a place in your heart, in your life, that your spouse should have, it's wrong. When I was thinking about how to, the, I, I've got two examples for you. One is in the Bible, it's Samson. He gets married and his wife wants him to tell a secret that he has. And this is what he says. He says, I haven't even told my parents. I says, you think I'm going to tell you? Well, when you're married, everything, you, 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 your, your spouse is supposed to know things about you your parents don't know. Your, your spouse becomes number one. You're, you're, you're leaving your father and your mother. I remember years ago, there was a, a couple here in church. They just, they hadn't been married very long. They came into my office and the problem was she felt like his heart was more towards his mother than it was towards her. In fact, what would happen is without fail, every day, she said, and he didn't disagree, she said that when he would be ready to get out of work, he would get a call from his mother. And one day she said, oh, I just need you to come over and move some furniture. And he'd go over and she'd have dinner for him and he'd have dinner with her, spend time. And then the next day, oh, I just need you to come over and there's something wrong with my car. I just need you to look at my car. And he'd go over, work on her car. The next day, oh, I just need you to come over and cut the grass. I don't know what I'm going to do. I just need you to come. He'd go over. And it just happened day after day after day after day. And he put his mother in front of his wife. And when we're, you know, it could be a hobby. It could be work. It could be anything that you put as a priority over your spouse. And when that happens, there will be a righteous jealousy that's going to rise up. You say, well, jealousy is wrong. God says he's a jealous God. I mean, no, God's not wrong. You know, he says, I ought to have the first place in your heart. And if something has a place above me, God says, I'm going to be jealous. Right? And once you get married, your spouse is supposed to have the premier place in your heart under God. And if your in-law or your parents, their in-laws, whether it's work or a hobby or friends or whatever it is, that you give that place in your heart or life that you should have given to your spouse, there's going to be like a righteous jealousy that's going to rise up and it's always going to cause tension inside the marriage. One of the things that we, we need to remember is that 
men and women, we are different. And we are more than different physically. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 3, the subject is marriage. And first of all, it talks to the wives. And, and interestingly, the first thing that it says is don't try to change your husband. Because <laughs> you won't work. It won't do it. You can't do it. It takes God to change them. But then it talks to the men is what it says. It says husbands likewise. So the admonition to the wife is don't try to change your husband. It's kind of like we get married, men, and we think, may she never change. And she gets married and thinks, when I get done with him, he'll be good. <laughs> She's going she to try to like change him. So, so, so Peter is talking like, you can't change him. You just change yourself. And let God work on him. And literally, that's what, that's, if you read those first six verses, that's what it's saying. But then it gets to verse 7, and now it's husbands likewise. All right, guys, here it comes. Dwell with them with understanding. In other words, you need to understand your spouse. Now, somebody said there's two ways to understand a woman, and no man knows either one. <laughs> but it is, <laughs> don't clap, you're in the wrong spot to clap. <laughs> if you get an elbow, you had it coming. <laughs> but, but, but the Bible says we need to understand the wife's needs. Now, it says giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. I, I really wonder about that, that weaker vessel part. Now, I've got a couple phone books here. I'm going to give Jeannie the big one. And this is not rigged, okay? There, phone book. I got the skinny one. All right. And, and they talk about the weaker vessel. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Now, I am bigger than she is. I don't know if you can tell. No. No. We'll get you. You're beating me. Oh. Last but, time I ripped it too but fast. But I literally, I could not do that one. I could not do it. <laughs> so, so you guys know why I team. behave now, you know? She just ripped my <laughs> arms right out of the sockets. <laughs> now, if you were both alike, one of you would not be necessary. Now, here's what happens. Before we're married, differences attract. Now, I think God like has a sense of humor, the way that people get put together. Because before we're married, the differences, is they attract us to that person. But after we're married, the differences attack. So it's really like God puts people together like one is a saver, all right, and the other is a spender. One likes to stay home, one likes to go out. One of them likes to get up at five o'clock in the morning. The next one wants to sleep until noon. And God puts us together and he's like, ah, it's not a mistake. All right. Now, the differences don't create problems. Immaturity creates problems and false expectations create problems. And I would add the lack of appreciation, mm -hmm. lack of thankfulness, the lack uh, of recognizing the benefits. Yeah. Of the so so when, when, when a couple walks down the aisle to get married, what each one is anticipating inside the marriage is different. Uh, it's been a number of years since Dr. Harley Jr. wrote his book, His Needs, Her Needs. Uh, but we've got a list here of the needs of the man in marriage versus the needs of a woman inside of marriage. So the man's number one need, according to Dr. Harley, 
is sexual fulfillment. The wife's number one need is affection. Non-sexual affection. This isn't going good. His second need is a recreational companion. And she needs conversation. And, and by the way, like this recreational companion, I take Jeannie Hunting, and she talks about this all the time. So this, this, this one particular night, I set her in a tree. I get in a tree about 200 yards away. We both shot a deer that night with our bow and arrows. And then afterwards, we're, we're, we've got them in the trailer, and we're going home. And I said, wasn't that fun? We went hunting together. And I'm like, together? We were... 200 yards apart. <laughs> we didn't talk. We didn't, we couldn't even see each to other. To me, to me, it was like recreational companion. <laughs> and to her, it was like no conversation. <laughs> All right. So, okay. Uh, number three for the man, a wife he believes is attractive. And her third need is honesty and openness. His fourth need, domestic support. And her fourth need is financial commitment. His fifth need, admiration or honor. And her fifth need is family commitment. So, so when they're walking down the aisle, what they're looking for and expecting is completely different. And when we talk about false expectations, that, that it creates a lot of problems in marriage because we're looking for different things. And when those needs that you have are not met, it, it, it just creates this, this void or this vacuum on the inside. Now, we were married for about three and a half years. And, and let me just say that I did not have a clue. I was like the most ignorant person when it came to her needs. I didn't have a clue what her needs were. And she came to I, me. I was ignorant too. <laughs> after about three and a half years and just said, this is not working. I just said I was empty. Yeah, that was, I was just, yeah. I'm empty. I'm, well, I'm, she gave me that we need to talk line, the most, the most feared words that any man ever hears. We need to talk. And, and, and she said, I'm empty. And uh, I said, well, what do I need to do? And she said, I don't know, but you are not doing it. Okay. And, and I, I want to tell you a story that be, before this incident, before I finally got courage enough to tell him um, I was, I was uh, needing something in the marriage. Um, we, we had moved out to the village and actually rented. There was one nice house there in the village that um, the couple had built, and then uh, they'd moved away and actually then gotten divorced. And, and then so anyway, here was this nice house. We found out about it and, and rented that house. And... and um, so we're basically newly married. I think we'd been married a year, a little over a year at that time. And um, I didn't realize the needs I had in my life, but I didn't have anything to anybody else, anything else to occupy my life. Um, no one spoke English around there. We had no telephones, no radios, no um, TVs, no internet. Um, you know, none, none of those things, I had no way of contacting my sisters or my mothers. I, I would try to communicate with the, the women in that town, and ellos hablaban español nada más y otomi, and I, I didn't know what they were saying, you know, whatever, <laughs> and I was trying to learn the language, so there was just a lot, and I was a new mom, had a new baby, so it was just a lot of changes in my life, and I didn't realize the needs 
I, I know you, we can have wants in our life, like, you know, I want someone to talk with, and I didn't realize, like, it's a real need, and um, I, I wanted uh, conversation, and, and Duane was raised in a home that, um, you know, you didn't talk at the meals, and you didn't talk uh, when he's ready, you didn't talk here, you didn't talk, I don't know when they talked. <laughs> at, at my house, um, we had uh, four, girls and a brother and a mom. I mean, we had the female conversation. There was talking going on all the time. If you wanted to talk, you had to interrupt somebody because <laughs> there was talking going on. We conversed, we talked, the, the, the table was a communicating uh, area. And so that was just, that was really different. And, but I didn't realize that that was like something I needed. I was, and um, so anyway, we're, we're in this home and Dwayne has just thrown himself in he was very focused, very, very focused on being, uh, trying, working to be a successful, good missionary and doing the ministry of God. And, and he would be gone three to four days a week out in the uh, mountains ministering. And yeah, he just was really throwing himself into being a good missionary. And um, I was just getting emptier and emptier. And I did not realize, and I am sharing my heart, please take this the right way and don't construe it to mean something by your example. This is my life <laughs> But I learned something I think will be really helpful if, if you can um, understand that unaware of the needs that I had in my life, I didn't realize that an unmet need can make a little vacuum that kind of is looking for, to suck something into it, is, is hungry for that. And uh, we were renting this house and the guy would drive up in his pickup to pick up the rent once a month and, and he would notice things around the house that needed fixed, the, um, oh, you know, the, the, you need a cement, you got just mud underneath where you hang the clothes to dry, let me put a patio in there. And, and sure enough, somebody would come and put the patio in. And then, you don't have any kitchen cupboards. I'll send a carpenter and he'll put in some cupboards there. And, and so, you know, he would just notice things and even say, oh, you know, the house is looking nice. You're doing a good job. And take his money and split. I mean, there was hardly any, I don't even remember the guy's name. Um, but that need in my life for the domestic care and support and the home support and, um, and she was, was not there. Yeah, she was trying to reach out to me to do that, and I just didn't get it. And, and it's just not, uh, I have a very narrow skill set. And so she, her, she's brought up, you know, her dad's a farmer, and, and he can fix anything. He could take your car apart in front of you and put it back together. Now, I could not build a birdhouse. <laughs> but, but Jeannie thought that I should. I thought he wanted to in his heart of hearts. <laughs> he just didn't know how, but I was patient. I, I, he could so, learn. So for those of you who don't know, every, every birthday, every Christmas, anniversary, and just because, I would get tools. She would give me presents of tools and books on how to fix things. So, so we're living in Mexico, and uh, the, the shower starts to leak. So she has this book that she had bought me. Right? Reader's Digest book, How to Fix Anything. So she finds the page on how to fix the shower, and she opens it. She goes to the hardware store, buys all the little rubber parts. 
She gets all the tools that she has given me that I've never used. And she lays out the ones I need. I was trying not to tell him how to do it. I was just trying to just make it easy for him to figure it out and do it because he's a man. So I get home and she walks me into the bathroom and leaky shower. Here's what you need. Here's the book. Here's the tools. And she basically puts me in the shower. And so I get the screwdriver and I start undoing this thing. Um, in Mexico, your roof is flat. And on top of the roof, there is this huge container with thousands and thousands and thousands of gallons of water. And that's your water pressure. So as I start to unscrew this thing, yeah, you know, don't you? <laughs> you, all, you guys, you've done that. It's just not my skill set, I'm telling you. Well, all of a sudden, that handle shot past me, crashed into the back wall, water starts squirting everywhere. And your pastor lost his sanctification. <laughs> That's the last time I was going to ask him to fix anything. <laughs> but she kept on trying to, I just, I'm just don't see those things and don't know how to fix them if I did. And yeah, so we're growing, we're learning this about each other and we're out in the village and he's, he's uh, not there and I'm very alone in trying to solve every problem and here is this man that came along and would fix some things. And I love God, I love the Word, and I loved God then, and I loved the Word of God, and I wanted to live for God. I loved my husband, and, um, and he came, this other man came to pick up the rent one day, and I just, my heart warmed up, and oh, I'm fixing my hair, and I go into the door, and I suddenly realized that I was feeling drawn to a man that wasn't my husband. And it scared me, and I just like freaked out, messed up my hair, <laughs> gave him the check, and closed the door, and, and um, went in and got before God, like, what was that? I uh, just, just um, I, I repented, I got it before God, and I just realized, but I want you to understand that unmet needs can they have a power um, that that you you can have something that you desire or need in your life, and if you're not getting it, it you're not dealing with it or taking care of it or letting um, putting it at God's altar and getting the satisfaction and the the wholeness from from God or from your spouse, it can be the place with an open door that lets the enemy sneak in there to rob from you the desire and the attention. I mean, it just, it's, it's where he wants to steal and kill and destroy. And, and I'm saying all that because I have good intentions. I never had any intention of, of getting my um, needs met from another man, but I felt the pull. And I'm saying this because I know that if you let yourself get so weak and you don't have the Word of God before you and you don't have your commitment to your spouse in front of you and you're not dealing with the, your unmet expectations and, and the lack of your needs be, being met the right way, that you're not serving and loving your spouse according to the Lord's, that, you know, I do this, if you don't respond, if, if you reject me and you don't respond, I'm doing it as unto the Lord and He rewards me. And so I just keep putting you in God's hands and knowing that God, I pray that God equip you with every good thing mm -hmm. that you need and I know He's going to do it. And, and 
But if you start complaining and whining and you start feeling sorry for yourself and you start magnifying that little empty spot that's not getting that need met, you can make that need become such a vacuum that it starts looking for somebody else to, to suck in there to meet that need. And that's where awesome, good couples can trip up and fall and think, well, I don't know how it happened. I just kind of fell out of love with him and I fell in love with somebody else. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You didn't fall for, you <laughs> fell for your flesh. You just went and said, okay, I'm going to quit on my covenant and I'm going to just let myself okay. be an open door for somebody else to come meet that need. Yeah. So, I, I just, I really, really, really want you to catch this message that I'm trying to give you is that having an unmet need is not an excuse for opening up your heart to turn away from the covenant that you made with your spouse and get your needs met so you can be happy. Because your happiness and your satisfaction and your contentment will never ever come from a person anyway. Your spouse can never fulfill you completely and never make you happy enough and never meet every one of your needs enough. So, so you David, need Jesus. Yeah, David said, all the springs of my joy are in you. All the springs of my joy. So, He's saying we need to look to God first. And when you don't look to God, listen, you always look to the person who is the closest to you. If you don't look to God, you'll look to the person who's the closest to you. And marriage was not designed to meet every one of your needs. There's needs that your marriage cannot meet. But back to where we were. Here's what happened with us. It probably took us three years or so in our marriage. And, and Jeannie just said to me, she said, honey, how did you say it? It was after that. Uh, I just yeah. said, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm drained. I'm, I'm empty. empty. I'm empty. And I said to her, well, what do I need to do? And that's what she said. To you. She said, I don't know, but I know you're not doing it. You know, it really didn't help. I mean, I, all of a sudden I know I'm not doing something I need to be doing, but I didn't, and she didn't know what she needed. And, and she, we were actually at a missions conference in Houston, Texas. We had just come up from Mexico. And I went to the the Baptist Christian bookstore, and I bought every book on marriage that they had. And the cassette tapes. And cassette tapes, because I spent all our money. And <laughs> best, best investment ever, okay, in your marriage. And literally for six months, I just, that's all I studied. I just, that's all I studied. I wanted to find out, what, what, am I, what do I need to do? What are her needs? Does she need that? She needs that non-sexual Affection, and it wasn't like instantly, you know, we went, like he went in the phone booth and came out super husband. No, it, it instantly. sure did not. It's, it's been right. growth and yeah. process. And I want to tell every you, yeah. husband that you should lead a Bible study on marriage. <laughs> because every time he would study more about marriage and um, read a book on marriage, you know, we'd grow another bit and we'd learn and we'd gain that. There are things that I tried to tell him that is like I was speaking uh, Vietnamese and he was speaking some other African Swahili and we just <laughs> couldn't communicate and he wouldn't hear from me, but he would hear it. We'd be reading a book or he would oh, read a book. Remember that one time? I'm reading this book. And I said, oh, this guy is crazy. Look what he says you think. And I read it to her. And she said, that's exactly right. <laughs> and I went, oh, my goodness. Because <laughs> I didn't have a clue. All right? I didn't have a clue. So that's why Peter said, listen, men, dwell with them according to knowledge. So your wife is not like you. 
Your wife has different needs in the marriage. And in order to have a really great, successful marriage, we need to meet each other's needs. And in order for that to happen, you got you to gotta bring it out. You got to say, this is, look, this is what I need. Or get together and read some some good books or listen to some good CDs or DVDs and and say, yeah, that's it, that's it, that's that's what it was over there. Now, here's the deal. Don't be defensive when your spouse comes to you. How many ever brought something back to a store that didn't work and they treated you really bad? And you brought other things to a different store and they treated you really well. The customer service department, you know, when they treat you well, you're like, yes. And and in marriage, you and I have to have good customer service departments. (laughs) So when our spouse says something, we don't get defensive. We say, okay, what, what is it that I should do? How can I do this? Help me understand. Don't be defensive, but realize they're going to see things different. Their needs are different than your needs. It's not an act. Literally, I have couples saying, she's weird. He's weird. I've had couples say, he's the devil. No, he's a normal man. <laughs> no, that's not good. <laughs> but they think, they think like my spouse is the devil because they've got these things they don't understand me and they've got different needs. You know, your needs are true and legitimate, but your spouse's needs are true, legitimate needs and we need to have a customer service department that's ready to receive the complaint without being defensive and say, how can I help to meet that need in your life? Yeah. Honey, would you? Well, before we pray and close up, I want to say something for singles because we, can, we talk about his needs and her yeah, needs. Yeah, we got a whole single section is, in here we didn't get yeah, to. Yeah, we didn't get there. But okay. this is important that you say, well, <laughs> you know, they talked about these needs. And so I guess I need to be married. That's a need I have. I need, a, I need, a, I need that woman. I need that man. Where are they? Um, the, these are needs for a marriage, for a team. And, and if right now you're in a single sport, <laughs> your, your uh, needs are different. And you, your security, don't, you do not have to be married to be satisfied and fulfilled. Uh, you, you find that in Christ and in the relationships and friendships that God brings in you, it's a different type of friendship and relationships that you have. And that's why I read from Colossians, you don't wait until you're married to become that beautiful person um, to be sensitive to other people's needs and to be giving and to be loving and forgiving and tender-hearted. You practice that all your life. And then when you do meet the special person you want to spend the rest of your life with, you are all practiced and ready to be a loving, um, yeah. a loving spouse. It's not about finding the right one, but yeah. being the right one. All right, would you pray for every marriage, oh, every okay. relationship that's here? God, we thank you for your word that gives us so much instruction and, and help and counsel and strength. We thank you for that. We ask, Father God, first of all, that you forgive us for our mistakes that we've made. Um, each one in our, our marriage or in our lives that we've fallen short. We ask you to cleanse us and we ask for your blessing as we seek to follow you as you lead us in victory mm-hmm. 
and, and to a, a blessed relationships and blessed marriages. Um, in Jesus' name. Yeah, Lord, we pray that you give all of us understanding hearts, hearts that, that understand the needs that our spouses have, and give us tender hearts, Lord, where we forgive, where we're kind, and where we're focused on meeting the needs of our spouse. We ask that in Jesus' name. And as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you're here, but you are not right with God today, you're away from the Lord, and you say, I really want to be right with God. You know, the, the devil always tells you to put it off. But the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, if you sense God pulling on your heart, it says, don't harden your heart. Don't, don't say no. And what God wants to do for you is this. Jesus paid for your sin, but he wants you to receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers you. And he wants you to surrender your heart to Jesus today. And if you're here and you say, I want to receive forgiveness for my sins, and I want to surrender my heart to Jesus, I want you to get ready to lift your hand when I say three. And we're going to pray together. And God's going to meet you right here in this place. And when we say amen, you are going to be forgiven. You are going to be right with God. Now, as you lift your hand, the first thing that you're saying to God is this. You're saying, God, I know I'm a sinner and need a Savior. I'm coming to Jesus to be saved and to be forgiven. It's one. As you lift that hand, you're saying, today I'm going to surrender my heart to Jesus. I'm going to give him all of my heart and all of my life, and I'm going to hold nothing back. Two. Get ready. As you lift that hand, you're saying, today, I'm going to get right with God. I'm going to receive forgiveness. Jesus is going to come into my heart. He's going to blood wash me from my sin, make me a new person on the inside, a part of your kingdom on my way to heaven. Three. Just lift that hand up. Pray with me. I'm not right. I want to get right. I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. Another up in the balcony. God bless you. 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 All right. Now I'm going to ask everybody to stand, please. Now, if you lifted your hand wherever you're at, I want you to look right at me. Would you move to the aisle that's nearest you, wherever that is, bring the person you came with, bring whatever you came with, but make your way right down here. If you're in the balcony, please make your way down. We will wait for you. But we want to pray with you. God is going to meet us right here. And we're going to say amen in a moment. And when we say amen, your past, it is going to be gone. You are going to be right with God. He's going to make you a new person on the inside. You know, Jesus said, confess me before men and I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. You know, almost every one of us that are here, there was a day when we came and we surrendered our life to Jesus. We came and we received him and received the forgiveness that he offers us. And we are so glad that God is going to do that for you today. Now, bro, got to get down here. They moved the steps on us. Romans 10. Yep. Romans 10, verse 13. This is what it says. Come on. Whosoever. That means you and you and you. Those coming down from the balcony. That means you. will call on the name of the Lord. Now we are going to call on his name the way the Bible shows us to. And this is God's promise to you. Will be 
saved. So we're going to say amen in a moment. And when we say amen, you are going to be forgiven. You're going to be right with God. Right? You're going to be on your way to heaven. He's going to come. He's going to give you a new heart. Now, this does not depend on how you feel. Because right? feelings come, feelings go. But God cannot lie. And he says, if you will do this, he said, you will be saved. All right. Praise the Lord. Thank you for making it all the way down. Thank you. All right. Everybody, would you please just take one hand, place it over your heart. Lift your other hand towards heaven and let's pray together. You say, oh, God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. And I believe he's coming again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. And I thank you that you have heard my prayer. That I'm forgiven. My past is gone. You make me a new person on the inside. I'm a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen.